Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the Third Party Podcast, your weekly Apex Legends podcast brought to you by Crossover Media. I'm your host, Shay, joined by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? I am very excited. Big time episode today. Huge interview. I'm just, I'm still really excited about it. It was a great one, most definitely. Before we dive into everything, though, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to us on YouTube, Third Party Podcast. We stream weekly, 4 to 6 p.m. on Thursdays, Pacific Standard Time. It's a good time always on the stream. It's the best spot to ask us questions, no doubt. We still got a pretty, we got a pretty small audience over there, so you get everything answered without yeah, a doubt. It's free Q&A. Mm-hmm. Anything you want, we got it. Exactly. Uh as Henry said, we got an awesome episode today with a household name here at the third party. We got our guy Shrug, as we now know how to call him. Uh, we'll be interviewed today. And we're also going into why you should snipe in Apex, as well as always some listener questions. Before we do any of that, though, let's talk about some reviews. First review is coming from a person called Love and Hate It. Five-star review. The only Apex pod you need. Henry and Shay. I love the pod. I'm a season zero player that never got past platinum and ranked. I've used all your tips and strategies and made diamond in both splits in season six for the first time. My question is, I have a IRL friend who is new to Apex. How do I help him get better without just making a new account for easier matchmaking? Ooh, that is a tough one. I think Henry and I kind of try to have the mentality like, it does suck to get killed sometimes, but if you play against the best, you'll eventually get better. I'm trying to think of some other tips that I might have, though. Do you have anything? Well, the first thing is you got to introduce them to the podcast. Oh, yeah, obviously. And the second thing that I can think of just right off the top of my head is you're just going to have to slow down. Mm-hmm. Like you're just going to be a faster looter. You're going to be rotating faster. You just are going to have to slow down. Like hopefully they have some shooter experience like they can kind of tango with you at that front but they're just not going to understand the loot and the rotations and so you're just going to have to slow down and try to play with them that for me that's sometimes hard so (laughs) good luck with that but i think that's kind of a good tip is just stick with them and answer their questions i think it's a great game i hope they uh definitely enjoy it and stick with it definitely more communication as well the more the merrier explain what you're doing and why you're doing it so they can begin to process and make those own decisions for themselves. Next review coming from WWWCH9. Five stars. Must listen pod. The greatest podcast out there. I listen every week and love every episode, especially the interviews. Please keep doing these when you can. <laughs> Mission accomplished. I know you guys have mentioned your Discord on the pod, but I was wondering if you ever do tournaments with the community you all have built. If not, have you thought about doing some? Thanks, guys, and keep up the good work. Thanks, WW. You know, we live to serve. You know, <laughs> this is perfect timing. Uh, you know, we got a fantastic interview today and a very exciting announcement. Yes, we have reached a major goal of ours on Patreon and the community reward for doing so is to host our very first third party nation tournament. Uh, So for the details of the tournament and how it will operate, it's all going to be on our Patreon page. Uh, We're letting our patrons decide if they would rather compete in a one on one tournament in the firing range or compete in squads in a kill race 
uh, in which you would have to stream it on Twitch to capture stats with the company we would be working with. So really, if you're interested in securing entry into the tournament, you're going to have to join the Patreon, subscribe to any tier. Uh, But with the start of this, I definitely think we will attempt and plan to kind of do more of a open to everyone thing in the beginning. But this is very much a Patreon tier. Congratulations to them. They've hit some big milestones over there. And that is part of the reward. It's really exciting. And hopefully it goes really well. And Mm -hmm. we can continue to do them and expand them. Uh, The date of the tournament is currently scheduled to start November 20th, but depending on the structure, uh, that could be extended. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what's the prize going to be for this? Battle pass for the top three players of each player on the winning squad. Or if we do the one-on-one tournament, we'll probably do a battle pass maybe for the top three people as well that finish in that. And I think it's going to be really fun. Play to win. We can't wait to fill up the tournament with the amazing listeners and patrons out there. Mark your calendars. It's going to be a good one. Maybe we'll even stream it on the YouTube or something. That could be fun. It could be a major event, depending on what uh, what route we go. Definitely. Before we go into the interview with Shrug, let's dive into some news real quick. little update on the Battle Pass progression. Uh, 10,000 XP earns one Battle Pass level was cut in half to be 5,000 XP. And there was some challenge smoothing that's going to be rolled out, hopefully to fix the issues of progression. Uh, being too long with the simplified star system. Uh, I, this was kind of a complaint some people had. We didn't speak to it too much on the last episode because uh, it was so early in the season, but very happy to see Apex identify this and kind of make the quick adjustment. Yeah, we definitely trust that this is uh, not something to be too uh, frustrated with uh, just because uh, we don't believe this was the intention and already it seems like uh, things are a lot Closer to being on track. Uh, We're having good progression and we're really excited to see kind of just how it goes in the long term. Most definitely. Uh, Next piece of news, Prime Gaming Skin for Horizon. Skeleton looking one. Inverse Polarity is out now as of November 10th. Really cool looking skin. We grabbing this one? Uh, I probably will. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks really cool. Uh, There's a lot of uh, similarities to a very uh, popular Fortnite skin. We were kind of shocked that a skeleton skin was coming out November 10th. Yeah. Uh, just because Halloween is uh, a couple weeks ago. But <laughs> I, I still think it looks really cool. It's a cool name. Very science for Horizon. Um, I think this is a good Prime Gaming skin. Speaking of Prime Gaming skins, we have rumors the next one could be the Wraith Queen of Hearts skin. Very cool design. This is a very clean looking one. Henry and I love to play some Texas Hold'em, some poker. So this one will hit close to home. Unfortunately, neither of us play Wraith every day for 24 hours a day, but I think this one might be worth a cop as well. Yeah, this skin has been uh, out there in the internet for a while now. It looks really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, We weren't really sure how we were going to be getting it. Um, Having it be a prime skin makes some sense. Um, I'm excited to see if and when this uh, comes out. Definitely. Last piece of news. Big congratulations to Team Aim Assist for signing with Solo Fide. Congrats to these guys. We interviewed them a few weeks ago. We're excited to see where they go with their professional Apex careers. Awesome group of guys. Check out that episode if you haven't already on our interview with them. Uh, I felt like you learned a lot kind of about the pro scene in general, but more so about who those guys are. And so if you don't have a team that you're uh, backing and following, this could be your squad most definitely. It's very exciting stuff. Uh, definitely a big congratulations to them. Uh, yeah, it's 
It's definitely cool to follow professional Apex and to see how the ALGS progresses and these controller bros Mm -hmm. uh, are definitely fun to watch. So shout out to them. Definitely. Let's throw it now to our interview with our guy, Shrug. Welcome into the show for the first time ever, someone that you all know very well. He has been providing more information on this game than anybody else in the scene, an absolute must follow on Twitter that will add more value than you could ever imagine to your feed, the Apex Legends Skin Prophet. If you've been listening to the third party for a while, you will certainly recognize his name in our news segment. We are absolutely beyond grateful for the information that you've provided for our show and the fans. Welcome to the third party, Shrugtall. Yeah, that's good. But you can call me Shrug uh, for sure. Shrug. So it'll save some time. Yeah, no. Uh, thanks, awesome. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the great introduction. Thank you for hopping on, man. It is we are beyond appreciative to have you on. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Uh, excited to get into it. Yeah, let's just kick it off with the first question. Um, if you would, would you please give us a, a little bit more background on just your life playing video games? What was the first game you ever played, and just tell us a little bit about that part of your life. Oh yeah, sure. So I think um, the first big game that I got into was uh, Dota 2, uh, and this was uh, sort of around when the game was back in beta when I was in high school. So I sort of got my hands on like the first beta key, uh, and then I, I stuck with that for quite a few years, and uh, since then I've sort of been branching out and trying different things, uh, getting more into shooters like uh, uh, COD, and now it's Apex, uh, uh, etc. Yeah. Speaking a bit on that uh, Apex, what brought you specifically to Apex? Um, I just I think when I first saw it, the visuals really resonated with me, as well as the uh, movement mechanics. Because other after honestly after playing Apex, uh, I find myself struggling to go back to any other shooters after how the game plays. We feel the same way. I'm glad that's uh, that's across the scene potentially. Yep, we certainly agree. Movement visuals it's great um i guess this is something that shay and i have been wondering ourselves for a while could you tell us a little bit about the origins of your name a little bit and if there's a story behind it there's a story it's sort of a derivative from a from a book that i read once when i was a kid uh, and I've sort of just been using that for years and years and years and years and years now. Um, but uh, I, I don't think I want to get too much into the specifics of it because it might be a bit embarrassing to have uh, have out there for the entire public to know. So uh, I'll leave an air of mystery. I love it. I love it. Fair We're getting a little mystery element in here. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what I think a lot of people are curious, you know, kind of what data mining is, how you have all this information to share. Um, so can you explain maybe a little bit like what is your technical background that allows you to really dive into Apex and see what's under the hood, provide the information? Uh, we know and have heard that you're like a software engineer, but if you want to tell maybe the audience a little bit more about that, that'd be we'd be beyond interested to know. Yeah, sure. So I'm a, as you said, I'm, I'm a software engineer. Uh, I actually, a recent software engineer, I, I graduated a few months ago from university. So uh uh, not that experienced in the field yet, but um, hey, congratulations! <laughs> thank you. Uh, not much of a ceremony, though, unfortunately, uh, given the uh, the current times. But uh, the congratulations is appreciated. Um, but yeah, so data mining. Uh, essentially, what it is is we take the game. So you've got the game's uh, program, and you've got all its supporting uh, files, and you essentially dig through them uh, to discover things that have been left in by the developers. Um, that haven't been officially released slash announced. And this is done in a variety of ways. 
You can get uh, tools that other people have helped build, like uh, I suppose for Apex, the big example here is Legion. Um, or for myself, I've been building a variety of other uh, methods, such as the ones you've probably been seeing on my Twitter recently, which is the in-game uh, previews for the skins. And the software engineering background does help a lot in that because you sort of understand uh, the flow of the code, what needs to be changed uh, to make that happen. It's pretty interesting stuff. Um, we're definitely fascinated by the work that you do. Um, and it's very cool to see that your background in school has actually been paying off to do something that you enjoy. Shay and I are both uh, in the final stretch of our university. And so we're hoping to maybe apply some of the things we, we've been learning too. Um, but if anybody out there is interested in exploring the realm of data mining, is there any advice or words of wisdom that you could share with them? Um, yeah, sure, sure. So I, I suppose I think the the first big thing, at least for me, is uh, it's mainly, you know, never be afraid to sort of explore and try new uh, new methods or new advances because you'll never know when you strike gold. Um, honestly, a lot of the methods that I've come up, up with um, have just been by almost pure chance by me throwing things against the wall and eventually something's going to stick. Uh, so... I suppose perseverance is the sort of the, the big thing there because you're going to also hit a lot of uh, negatives. You're not going to, going to spend weeks working at it and you're not going to get anything out. And uh, you sort of have to learn to, to work through both uh, the highs and the lows. Yeah, from the sounds of it on Twitter, I don't think people understand how much time it seems like you're committing uh, to all this stuff, the waking up right at release and diving into all the files mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah, I think uh, the reason why I do it sort of almost at release is because if I don't, then I'll wake up to about 100 DMs on Twitter asking me, where's the new skin shrug? I need the new skins. What's coming up? Uh, so it's it's a bit of it's a bit of fan pressure, fan pressure there. But uh, it's also a hobby for me because uh, I'm a software engineer. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not as difficult for me as I suppose it would be for some other people. And it's it's literally like a hobby for me. I will I will do it for fun, as, as strange as that sounds. Hey, I'm happy that you're doing it for fun because that means that you're going to keep on doing it so we can keep on talking about it. So that's much appreciated. Let's talk a little bit now about Olympus. Yep. And just how about just now that it's out, I mean, you know, everybody's got a chance to play it. What are your thoughts on Olympus? And then maybe a little bit on how long have you been waiting for this map to kind of be revealed to the people? Uh, so I think I'll cover the first part, which is sort of how the, the map flows. I'm ha having probably uh, the time of my life on the map, uh, at least playing with a pre-made. Uh, I understand that some people who have been playing solo have been uh, struggling somewhat uh, in, in ranked and uh, and like that. But I think the map really sticks together the wall. The vehicles are surprisingly balanced. I don't think I've ever gone and said, oh, oh no, they have a trident. Uh, I'm going to horribly die now. Uh, I think the Respawn has done done an excellent job with implementing vehicles. Uh, Unlike other games, you can look at Warzone and you're just running people over with trucks. So in comparison, it's it's an angelic feature. Uh, but in terms of waiting for Olympus, I think oof, I've been waiting for it about, I'd say about six months now. Um, sort of since we got the first hints about it, uh, that it could be a map. Uh, but as you know, with these things, you'll find something in the code and you'll it'll never happen. It'll happen in two, three years time. So uh, it's, it's always a hit and miss when you find, say, a new map name in the code and you go, oh, wow, that's going to be the next map. But then you end up like a, a year down the line and you haven't seen a single bit about it anymore. 
Yeah, we're definitely excited about the map. We also agree that they did a really good job with the map design and the vehicles. Uh, I was definitely shocked that they were going to be adding vehicles, but now that they're here, I think they did a pretty good job, and I'm enjoying them as well. Um, kind of, This is playing a little bit on that kind of Olympus idea and being able to anticipate it coming for six months. Um, Shay and I, and I believe other people were kind of shocked at how the map looked um a, a lot of people were anticipating more of a traditional city with lots of high rises um kind of based on the loading screens um but did you know that it was going to look like this or is this a place where maybe data mining is limited in these kind of design oriented spaces yeah, so uh, I didn't really expect the more lush greenery of the map. Uh, data mining as a whole, you very rarely get a look at such uh, extreme or complete details, uh, unless, of course, they happen to one day accidentally put the entire map in the game files and then I can, I can pull it out, which actually did happen for a little <laughs> bit. Uh, if you remember back in... <laughs> If you remember back in Season 5, I think it was, the UFO that they showed off in the dev stream, uh, that I managed to sort of get into Blender and sort of gave us our first look, there was the pink trees and the greener grass there, which honestly should have been a, a bit of a warning that they weren't going with this whole industrial look. But looking back, I think that an industrial city wouldn't really work well for a battle royale. Imagine throwing Gibraltar's out and the place is full of buildings. Uh, it wouldn't really uh, flow very well. Agreed. Yeah, we definitely had some concerns about the city map, especially right after playing Hyperscape, which is kind of a random place to go. But we were just like, oh, my goodness, I don't know how this is going to work. Yeah, I saw some Hyperscape footage. I saw some footage and uh, it, it seemed like the sightlines were, were very unclear. You'd have building windows everywhere. People would be running in and out of buildings. And the, the flow of combat is quite disrupted when you don't know whether the enemy is up, down, left, right. Um, or 10 feet below you. Yeah, Unclear definitely describes that game in a nutshell, no doubt about it. Let's talk a little bit about Legends and the Legend meta. You know, we've had Wraith kind of sitting at the top of the Legend meta for a long time now. Do you think there's room for kind of some of these newer Legends, Loba, Rampart, Horizon, to be given power in order to compete? Is that something you think should even be considered by the game at all? Yeah, well, uh, I suppose I, I would I would hate to be interjecting on the uh, the game designers of Respawn here, but I, I would definitely like to see uh, Wraith sort of move out of the the the, the must pick. Uh, if you watch LGS, uh, you'll see Wraith every match. You'll see Pathfinder almost every match, and uh, sure, those are fan favorites uh, as part of it. But also, they have such empower incredibly powerful kits uh, for Battle Royale. And then you'll look at say Rampart, and she gets to build a wall. Then that's it, you know, without a really useful alt. So I definitely hope that they do inject a lot more power into some of these legends, but I also understand why they were afraid. They could easily overtune um, a legend, uh, like they could horribly buff Loba's, uh, Loba's tactical, and then you'd have Loba's teleporting all over the map. So I understand why they were afraid, but I do hope that they do eventually inject some power. Definitely. It's definitely a hard balance to strike, one that we yep. speak about a lot on our show. Um, but let's see if we can get some exciting stuff from you. Um, speaking about the next Legends, um, we're kind of anticipating uh, perhaps Blisk or Ash. 
Um, is there anything you can tell us or speak to about those ideas and maybe some abilities as well? Uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't think we really have any abilities at the moment for Blisk. Uh, we originally had some uh, back, way back in like season one, uh, when they had a localization file leaked, uh, which probably, in my opinion, would have been changed by now because they were all marked with temp tags. Um, originally, Blisk's uh, passive, I believe, was interrogation. So when he'd execute or finish an enemy, it would reveal his uh, reveal the enemy's squad mates, sort of like a bloodhound scan. I think his tactical was a throwing knife. So you'd throw it and you'd just kill someone with a throwing knife and you'd get credits. And then the ultimate the ultimate was sort of what um, Lobo's thing is now. So you'd put down a thing that you could spend your credits at and you'd get items. So I think a lot of that has sort of been moved into um, other legends by now. So unfortunately, we don't have uh, anything concrete for the abilities at the moment. But in terms of is it coming, I think it is. Uh, we had that... Uh, that playtest sheet, I think, the piece of paper mm-hmm. on the wall that showed Blisk's face. And at the moment, we have the legend select background color for Blisk. Uh, sort of when you select him in the legend select screen, there's the smoke in the background. There's a very apex predator-looking red and black color there at the moment in the files. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think uh, he's a he's a, he's a shoo-in uh, for the next season. That is awesome. Uh, this one is a personal question for Henry and I. Uh, You've announced Winter Express making a return as of December 1st, and we know all the you know data mining and stuff and everything. You know, take it with a grain of salt at times. Things can change. But with the return of like you know the Halloween Shadowfall mode, we saw some changes to how that mode was played. Do you expect any changes to Winter Express this time around? And do you know if there what the differences would be if there are any? Oh, I think that they will be making slight changes to it, but I think the mode as a whole um, should remain the same. Uh, we're back on the original uh, World's Edge map without the destroyed train tracks. Uh, there'll be one additional station uh, called Derailment. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where that's be. I think one of my future projects will be to sort of map out where the five stations will be. There was four, now we're going to five. And uh, Mirage is returning, and he's lost his phone again, so there'll be some... Uh, Hilarious banter on the announcer as Mirage can't find his phone once again and he's dropped it under yes. a rock somewhere in the map. <laughs> Love, it. Love it. Um, is there anything that you know or could share about the next collection event for Apex? Uh, we kind of have some rumors about the Pathfinder town takeover, but can you provide any validity or some additional details on that? Yeah, sure. So uh, the next collection event will be uh, sort of in... January to February, I'm expecting sort of late January, uh, since the Winter Express is ending on New Year's. Uh, in terms of, yes, it will be a Pathfinder Town Takeover, there's some image assets in the files for uh, Fight Night. Uh, the, the event's called Fight Night, and it's got Pathfinder with boxing gloves, and uh, it's going to be a whole boxing-themed thing for Pathfinder. And then we should also have, with that, um, there was some Russian text that revealed the Helium to be Gibraltar's. And I'm expecting that to be the sort of thing that he's holding in the in the first quest. You know, if you if you read the first quest, he's standing over Pathfinder mm-hmm. with this um, with this weapon, and that's probably the most likely uh, most likely choice. So that they're introducing this thing at the start of the quest, then near the end of the quest, we're probably able to actually get our hands on it. Interesting. That would be very very exciting. Let's talk a little bit about. I think what a lot of people come to you for information behind and that is kind of skins and such how do you feel about apex 
bringing back and recycling some of these rare skins like the Voidwalker skin. And now it's looking like potentially in some recolors of that skin. Yeah, so I I think that it's partly, especially for the more popular skins like uh, the Wraith Voidwalker, it's a easy way for Respawn to catch ca- cash in on some fan goodwill and mm-hmm. um, quotation marks easy money, given that their artists are incredibly stretched at the moment with the pandemic. Uh, but I also think it is helpful. It is healthy um, for the game because you have a lot of the players who maybe didn't start Apex in Season 0, you know, didn't get their hands on Airship Assassin or uh, Voidwalk, and they actually just weren't playing around then, and they want to get their hands on the skin. I don't really see why uh, these things should remain exclusive. I think that, you know, if someone wants to wear this really cool costume, uh, we really shouldn't be worrying too much about, uh, oh, this person bought it a year ago, and they've ha- had the opportunity to, to play it, play with it for a year. Uh, you just... Uh, that's what you're paying for. You're paying for sort of a year of exclusivity with the skin and then other people can sort of uh, get in at the uh, lower end. Couldn't agree more. Love that. That's a really good perspective. Shay and I are kind of always talking about the balance of the difficulty and kind of the exclusivity of Apex and how they can, you know, invite new players and bring on those new players. And I think by having these really cool skins come back, that's a great way. Um, Speaking on skins, what legends do you think are in most desperate need for new skins? Well, I'm sure uh, Loba definitely comes to mind, uh, but lucky for them, you are getting a Christmas skin, so that's also very, very exciting. Uh, I I would like (laughs) to see some of the new recolors come out, though. Um, As you know, as you might have seen, we have recolors in the file for Revenant, we have recolors in the file for Loba, for Rampart. And we haven't seen any of these yet. And so we're looking at about mm. 12 to 15 skins that are in the files, and we just keep getting Cravers to come back, and more Cravers, and more Cravers. <laughs> uh, so what I would love oh, to man. see is, uh, say, the uh, Black Revenant recolor come into the store, or mm-hmm. the uh, Loba Anodized finished one, I believe it is, the, the one with the shiny shoulders. I would like to see some of the new recolors come in, definitely, as opposed to sort of these... Uh, uh, I think the recycling is getting a little bit too much now. I still don't have that Kraber skin, even though it's been in there like three or four times, I think, at this point. I don't think it's ever coming back now. I, I hope I never see it again. It's over. Uh, I'm sure that one's been really fun for you to like answer to on Twitter and everyone when you're like, okay, we got a new one coming and then insert Kraber skin. It's back. <laughs> yeah, I suppose uh, with at least with getting the recolors, um, it's not an exact science. So I can tell you sort of what mm-hmm. skins are coming back, but not when. So if Respawn decides to go, oh, let's just throw another Kraber skin in the mix there, uh, I can't really help with that. But everything I do post will sort of eventually show up. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about recolors, I yeah. think. This, what are your overall thoughts on them? Are you a fan of the content it provides for the game? And do you think it's a good direction Apex is going? Or should it be more original content each time around? Well, I think recolors, um, at least the new ones, are a sort of a very easy way to get different variations in, um, in the skin's hands. And obviously this drives uh, skin sales because you'll have people saying, hey, I want a really cool recolor for, say, uh, Void Specialist. Uh, I have to go buy the skin now for 1,800 Apex coins. And that generates income for Respawn. And the recolors are relatively inexpensive for them to make. If you read the... AMA almost that a dev did on Reddit with about the recolors is they literally what they do is they sit down, they pick a couple of p- color palettes that they might think work well in the game, 
and they just slap them on the skin. Uh, and <laughs> sure that it may not sound like a lot of work and I'm talking about it, but I'm sure there is a lot of hard work that does go into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I think that it kind of goes in with the theme that Apex is very efficient with its content that it makes. Uh, the first map, King's Canyon, was heavily built from Titanfall 2 assets. And World's Edge as well, heavily built from both King's Canyon and Titanfall 2 assets. So the fact that they're being very efficient with the models that they make for, for skins is sort of a testament to how Respawn is able to pump out a lot of content with a, an efficient amount of effort. Love that, love that. Are you excited that Redshift came back so people might stop asking you about it for a little bit? <laughs> uh, somewhat, but uh, sort of I think it was a mis- mistake announcing it so early because for the <laughs> few weeks that uh, after I announced it, I had pretty much daily questions saying, oh, is it coming back today, is it coming back tomorrow, is it next week, is it the week after? Um, but uh, I think the next big one that everyone is asking for is Airship Assassin. Uh, Obviously. That's next on the list. <laughs> and I've been seeing that it should come back during uh, Black Friday. So uh, keep, a, keep a look out for uh, keep a look out for Airship Assassin then. And hopefully that'll be the last one and I can exist on Twitter in peace. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we would love that for you. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, let's shift gears here a little bit. Um, let's talk Valk. Um, you yep. know, what happened or what do you think is happening with falk or nova or whatever hover legend we may or may not be getting yeah sure so uh, nova is actually the codename of horizon so if you go in the files you'll see a lot of references to nova that are actually being used for horizon at the moment and they've done this before you can look at caustic in the files and his name in the files is literally gas he is gas, and gas is caustic. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Nova, it become Horizon. So you said you're going from sort of a supernova to a black hole Horizon. And I think this had come in with the original AMA. I think they did an AMA, like, last week. And they talked about how mm. uh, Downfall was uh, Horizon, and Horizon was originally this evil CEO that threw fire everywhere. And you can sort of see that would tie in with the sort of a sun supernova. And they carried a lot of those assets across. That's why you still have the name over in the files. But in terms of Valk, uh, I'm sure you might have seen the dev sheet and it was supposed to be next, quotation marks. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we've sort of gotten to the point where that sort of becomes less accurate and Respawn starts to move things around as the story demands it. Valk is certainly coming at some point in the future. That is is for certain. Uh, You know, we've got audio for the thrusters when... When they hover in the air, the ability should still be the same. So I'm I'm excited for Valk. I think that another movement legend, like with the ultimate, which is you can mm-hmm. blast off with your two teammates like you redeploy. I think that'll help sort of dislodge maybe Wraith from the meta a bit, because instead of the portal, you could take Valk and you could get out to a new position with the ultimate instead of having to punch the portal. And that might encourage some more diversity in competitive play. Well, that would be awesome. I think we were a bit curious if the Valk switch up was kind of similar to the Forge fake out we got a while back. Um, it sounds like it's a little bit different because you're still expecting Valk to come back. But with that Forge one and potentially the Valk thing, how do you identify what the fake outs are that the devs are supposedly throwing at you? Um, so in terms of fake outs, uh, they haven't really done much fake outs apart from Forge. Um... I think after a week of seeing Forge in the files, I sort of got wise and I said, hey, you know, something's, something's not, not too right here. Uh, they mm-hmm. don't, they, they probably, I think the big thing I've got for is, is it too obvious? 
you know, having almost over a year now in experience working with uh, the Apex and Apex files, uh, you sort of get a, get a, get a, get us almost a sixth sense to, okay, this looks like it should look and this doesn't look like it should look. And when they write in the files, season five characters equals forge. That typically isn't something that I will find in a data mining. It's it's far too obvious. So I, you can sort of see the the fish hanging off the bait hook, uh, bait hook there. Uh, yeah. So uh, I I'd I'd love for them to try something again, but I don't think it's really on the cards right now. Given that uh, bring on you know, the challenge. Yes, bring on the challenge. It'll make things I interesting. Love that. That is awesome. Oh man. Speaking of that kind of relationship and perhaps the challenge, do you feel that your job is getting harder? that maybe Apex is tightening their security as the seasons progress? Or, you know, are they making noticeable efforts to stop leaks? Oh, they are definitely making noticeable efforts to um, to, 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 uh, to stop leaks. They have a system which I think they've been using a lot more recently, which is called DFS. And uh, I read one of the designers on Twitter talk about this, and he didn't know the real name for it, but it stands for Don't Effing Ship. Uh, and that's sort of a tag that they apply to a lot of future content to... Uh, ensure that uh, this particular asset doesn't really go out to the public. Um, so nowadays, we're only really seeing things like maybe about, I'd say about three months in advance, sort of within the current season or at the last patch of the season, we'll start to see things for the um, the next event or the next start of the next season. Uh, but they have definitely been making noticeable efforts to make it better. And I think that is good for the game. Uh, you know, I don't really want to sit here and pull out all the content for the next year because you go, oh, okay, well, I know everything now. I'm just going to... So uh, yeah, I, I think I think that they've definitely made some made some strides in 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 security. Yeah, well, like one of the reasons we really appreciate your content is we think you do a really good job of kind of balancing what is you know shareable and then what is kind of a little too much in a way. But there is still some negative connotation, I think, sometimes with leaking and data mining. But what is your kind of perspective on, you know, the developers at Apex? And would you look at it and be like, I'm on your side and I'm driving hype to the game at all? Well, I think it really depends on what you're posting. Um, For me, at least, that's one of the main reasons why I don't really go into any quest or lore content. Because though, sure, you want to be excited for what's going to come next to the game. But I don't really want to end up sitting here and spoiling a story. You know, no one really wants to be the guy walking into Walmart with a microphone and saying Dumbledore dies at the end of Harry Potter, you know, that it isn't really, it isn't, it isn't isn't really the type of type of uh, person that I want to be. Um, And I think that as long as we, as long as I uh, sort of maintain that sort of ethical standard, I think the devs are really fine with with what I do. They've said multiple times, I think most recently uh, before the start of season seven, that They'd rather fans be excited about the game and trying to find out what would come next than fans that don't care about the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that was from Chad uh, Grinier, which is the game director, I believe, for Apex. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think the devs are pretty clear that sort of as long as you're playing nice and you're you're doing some data mining, sure you want to find out what the next content is, but you're not spoiling anything major. You're not going out there and blackmailing company employees to tell you what's coming (laughs) out. Uh, I think think that they're, they're, they're pretty good with it. Shrug would never do that. No, no, that's that. (laughs) That crosses the line. Yeah, I don't want the EA secret police to come to my house. (laughs) Certainly not. Um, This next question might be outside of your scope of practice, Um, but do you think consoles will be getting private lobbies in the future? 
um, you know, with crossplay now and the rise of controller players uh, wanting to compete, um, is that a possibility? Or is that, have you seen anything on that? Well, I haven't seen anything on it at the moment, but I definitely think that it would be very helpful for the game that sort of uh, third-party organizers can start to make their own scrims. I've definitely had a f- few people ask me on Twitter, probably thinking that I'm some sort of Apex dev, whether they can get some <laughs> lobby codes uh, or tournament codes that they can make their own private lobbies. And I definitely think it would help the scene a lot that, uh, you know, your regular average Joe could just create a lobby, get a bunch of friends in and maybe practice, you know, scrim a bit, uh, mm-hmm. sort of 3v3 or, or whatever. But in terms of private lobby- lobbies, I definitely think that there's a lot of room for the game to grow. Uh, you could have, I'm sure you're familiar with Overwatch's workshop mode. So I would love to see something like that for Apex, where you can sort of set load up that you drop down with. You could set the ring speed. That would be mm-hmm. something that I would really enjoy to see. And, and I hope they do bring it at some point in the future. That would be awesome. We would all look forward to that very much. We talked a little bit about, I think, kind of the quest lore aspect and avoiding leaking that kind of stuff. Yeah. But just in general, have you enjoyed the quests and the lore as we've gotten them over the course of the last couple of seasons? Uh, no, I, I think especially in, in Season 5, I was having a blast there doing the PvE missions. Uh, I think it definitely got a bit dry in Season 6. The The comic mm-hmm. quality was definitely lower than I would have liked, and uh, no no missions was a bit of a bummer. But um, I think it's pretty clear now that Season 6 was a bit of a fuller season for them so they can make up some time uh, with the mm-hmm. COVID, COVID situation going on and work from home. But I think it's definitely picked up in season seven. You know, I'm really loving this whole uh, whole uh, family reunion. Mm-hmm. I think it's called uh, called quest going on, and uh, I'd love to see in season eight some of the, some more PVE content. And I definitely think, at least from what I can see in the code, that it's in the works uh, with more robotic enemies. I'm expecting to see sort of specters from Titanfall to come back and dropping out Man. of dropships. And I think they <laughs> could do so much with the PVE side of this game. That would be a lot of fun. We would definitely look forward to that. Um, is there, can you tell us anything that you've seen about bow and arrows? That's kind of a big deal uh, <laughs> yes. for the yes. third party. Uh, what do you know? <laughs> sure. So I think it's a pretty, pretty consistent theme now across dev streams and dev images that they release is whenever they take a, an official render for say an art station page, you'll spy there and you'll zoom and you'll zoom and you'll see a little bow and arrow sitting on the ground, uh, or in the, I think in the most recent recent dev stream, when they were in artillery, they were up at the top of the back building and there was a bow and arrow sitting on the floor there. And I think we've got about three unreleased weapons now. We've got the, the bow, obviously, the crossbow, and the thirty thirty, which is that Winchester lever action shotgun. Um, and the bows also have different types of ammunition they can take. So you can have, I believe they just codenamed them in the files, arrows, arrows special one and arrows special two. So I would love to see sort of some Hanzo sort of tracking arrows. That could be a really cool variation they could do. Uh, or some like AOE exploding arrows. And maybe mm-hmm. if you get that out of the care package. Uh, there's a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of design space to be explored with um, a weapon that takes different types of ammo that you can uh, find on the ground. But mm-hmm. I understand that they might be hesitant to do things like this or put it in the live game because of the uh, loot distribution on the floor. I mean, you'd hate to drop in a building and there's just arrows all over the floor and <laughs> there's an arrows in the Mozambique and a P2020 and you're just out of luck. I'll take the arrows over the Mozambique <laughs> and the P20 at that point. Come on now. <laughs> 
It's pretty exciting stuff, you know. We're very much moving away from those Titanfall 2 assets for weapons. And so the creativity uh, I'm excited of uh, for this bow and arrow and the other new weapons. Let's get uh, kind of the, I think we have to ask the question. Henry and I are huge Titanfall fans, Titanfall 1, Titanfall 2, played forever. I'm not sure your experience with the games at all, but I know people have been clamoring for a long time, like, when are we getting Titans and Apex? And it doesn't seem like something that would fit into the game, but has there ever been any information or code in the game surrounding Titans at all? Oh, you're taking me back. Um, so back in <laughs> season zero, sort of pre-season one, uh, that was the whole reason why I started doing this was you had um, all of these green-eyed people who hadn't really played Titanfall before uh, launching up the game, digging through the files, <laughs> finding code about spawning titans, and then if you remember some of the uh, the articles mm-hmm. that are putting on games media, massive leak, titans coming to Apex in March 2019. Oh, and uh Obviously, it didn't happen, and uh, one of the reasons why I started my account was to sort of combat uh, that sort of misinformation and, and offer a more uh, experienced sort of point of view as to what is coming to the game and not going on this endless hype train about Titans. But uh, in terms of recently, no, we haven't really seen anything about Titans yet. I think that's probably for the best. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking a little bit more about kind of your personal desire uh you said you would pretty much continue doing this for fun even if you had no fans but do you have any goals as a content creator or a member of the apex community Oof, that's a difficult one i think one of the things i'm working on right now is sort of trying to get out more youtube content uh twitter is an excellent place to put out inf- short bursts of information but a lot of the things I talk about require a bit more explanation and um, and, and nuance, so I'm definitely trying to sort of build myself up on YouTube a bit so that I can talk a bit more about things I find and not just limit myself to 280 characters, which often ends up doing more harm than good. Definitely. We love the YouTube content. I think it's uh, really nice to actually hear you talk and explain things with it. it. I definitely agree with you that it is very nice to kind of clarify a lot of that information. Um. I guess then kind of a bit of our last question, unless Henry, do you have anything else you want to throw in before I ask the final one? I'm hoping this has a good answer. I guess I, I, we just have the random question of any like news you want to break on the show by any chance. If you got nothing, that is totally fine. We completely appreciate everything you've ever shared with us. But if you got to, you know, have any breaking news, I could add a really good sound effect in right about now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the breaking news that I just put, I just gave you was a bit earlier with the airship assassin that recently mm-hmm. has been on Twitter yet. And uh, I believe that's come out of one of the people who were testing the game a bit earlier. Um, you know, the streamers with access and, the one, one of the people who were playing the game and got early access saw airship in the shop. So apparently we're getting airship and that's the dun 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 breaking news. Airship returns. Ooh. Wraith mains in turmoil. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so ready for airship. I am so ready. I feel like my biggest, re- biggest regret with playing Apex was not, you know, going for those recolors early on in the game at all, not realizing what they were going to become. Yeah, it's. I think it's the same as I'm hesitant to say the forbidden word, but Fortnite's a skull trooper, uh, <laughs> sort of quite similar in legendary status to that. Uh, but in terms of other things coming up, uh, definitely keep an eye out on December nineteenth, the twentieth, when they'll have the LGS Autumn Playoffs, and you can grab a Mirage badge, tracker, pose, and frame, and 
that's on my Twitter. It's really cool. Mm. It's got the trophies raining down, and there's quite a few puns there. The badge itself is named uh, Honorable Mention, and it's raining silver trophies, which implies that Mirage never finishes first. He always finishes second because there's just this hail of silver trophies. Oh, and the my badges, goodness. the badges are not him coming second. Uh, um, so, yeah, yeah. So respawn really is being exciting. a bit cheeky there, yeah. But definitely make sure to uh, to to watch the the LGS if you want to get your hands on those. Uh, those nice bit of cosmetics and that'll Definitely. be activated we believe through uh prime gaming right you'll have to be watching on twitch yeah you'll have to link your ea account or console with your twitch account and then you just have to sit there on the stream eyes glued to the ring closing <laughs> till the fifth circle and then the fighting starts i can probably do that we can try well shrug Thank you so much for coming on the show. We're going to obviously put all your links in the description. They're in the description for every episode already, but we're going to put a little <laughs> some bold text already behind it and try to feature it a little bit more. Um, is there anything else, any other platform you're working on or anything you'd like to tell the audience about and plug at all? No, nothing really at the moment. You know, I've got my Twitter, um, which I'm sure most of you know about, but uh, go uh, subscribe to my YouTube, smash that like button. etc 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 you know all of those good things uh but uh, other than that yeah no 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 awesome shrug thank you so much for coming on the show it's been a pleasure before we get into why you should snipe in apex and wrap up the rest of the show here's a word from our sponsors the Good Games Podcast is brought to you by Henry and Shay, hopefully like those two guys by now. From our success covering Apex Legends, we've sought out to create a new project talking about all good games. If you want to hear Henry and I cover games from Rogue Company to Assassin's Creed, check out the link in the description to hear about all the new good games. Welcome back. Now we're talking about a very exciting topic, why you should snipe an Apex. Um, this is going to be an interesting segment because it's kind of a narrative. It's kind of going into stats. It's mm-hmm. kind of talking about play style and strategy. And so I think there's a lot for everyone here uh, when we're talking about snipers. Um, you know, maybe not everybody is picking up snipers right now. So I think we're going to try to convince some of you. Um, but the first thing is the sniper class in Apex is very interesting. Um, from day one, when Apex was released, there were only three snipers on the ground. The longbow, the G7, and the triple take. And then, of course, there was the rare care package weapon, the Kraber. Today, we have a total of five snipers after adding the charge rifle and the sentinel and removing the G7. So, things have come a long way. It's interesting to see the change along the way. Yeah, and so we're going to kind of talk about that journey and why that has happened. I guess, which I think uh, paints a lot of the picture uh, as to why you should be sniping. Yeah. It, spoiler, the game is very much incentivizing you to go about this pathway without a doubt. Yeah. The first big change uh, that kind of started this uh, shift to snipers was second map World's Edge came out and like it or not, World's Edge was designed to encourage the use of snipers with longer lines of sights and just open rotation areas. Very open. It makes sense why we got two snipers added to the game. And if you compare it to the map Kings Canyon, the OG, you know, you look at that map and you're like, 
where were the sniping spots? And really, like, you know, Skulltown was such a close range area. Even if you were up on the bones, people were still moving in and out of buildings all the time. We always liked being on top of Thunderdome to snipe potentially. And the stark difference between the amount of buildings, the cover, and just the shorter lines of sight with World's Edge now being a lot longer. And we'll talk about Olympus soon hereafter. But it was crazy the difference the devs went to go for that stylistic change. Absolutely. And it wasn't long ago that there was no sniper ammo. Mm-hmm. You know, sniper ammo only came with the Sentinel. Mm-hmm. And so with the addition of the new snipers, the charge rifle and the Sentinel, there was also the addition of sniper ammo. And this was a huge, huge difference, a huge, huge change because the original snipers, the OGs, took heavy and energy ammo and light ammo. Now Apex has the sniper ammo type, sniper stocks, sniper mags, mm-hmm. and of course the sniper optics. Um, and because of that, now in the loot pool, there's less heavy mags because the longbow doesn't take heavy ammo anymore. Mm-hmm. It takes sniper ammo. So this is a huge change, a huge shift uh, to just how loot behaves in Apex. And going back to our interview with Kobe, um, you know, he kind of had some interesting takes on this, mm-hmm. that having all this additional sniper stuff, the stocks and the mags, um, takes away from the items that he likes, mm-hmm. light mags and such. And it does take away from those, but not. it's not like they did it because they wanted to take away from those. They wanted to push emphasis on a different area of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what the purpose was, and to shift. Uh, some of the loot pool towards this sniper class. It's also important to note that the current state of sniper ammo is a lot better than it was uh, right when it released. Now, sniper ammo spawns in stacks of 12 or 24, and in your inventory, it's in stacks of 24. This is a major increase, uh, and was so in the spawn rate and just the stack size uh, from it what it was in season five or prior to season five. And so now it is way easier to find sniper ammo. It really is. Um, And so therefore, based off those two major factors, the ammo being more prevalent and just the addition of sniper ammo and all the attachments, Mm -hmm. there is a lot to do with snipers in Apex, just in a loot perspective. And so you can definitely find it. And right now, a lot of it, doesn't get put to use yeah i mean you're gonna run into sniper gear and be affected by the class every game regardless of if you want to or not it used to kind of be an optional thing but with like henry saying the addition of all this ammo and the attachments it's no longer avoidable and it's impacting your game whether you see it or not absolutely and then talking about kind of the more indirect influences to snipers Three out of the last five most recent legends, Crypto, Loba, and Rampart, are way better suited for long-range engagements due to their lack of that fast mobility uh, and abilities that require some time to execute. You know, you have to launch the drone, you have to set up walls, um, and so you are kind of forced to have some spacing when you're using these legends, and spacing and distance uh, definitely leads to some sniper use. So those kind of recent legends are kind of more leaning towards snipers. Mm-hmm. Kind of an indirect uh, comparison. It's interesting. There are a lot of indirect choices they made. 
that kind of reinforce this play style, which I think is a very good way to go about it rather than just saying, okay, every sniper is going to be like a one shot kill pretty much. So everybody should use them, which is what a lot of, you know, first person shooters and battle royale games are. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great segue into kind of talking about more of the gameplay. Mm -hmm. It's very important to note that sniping in Apex is not the same as sniping in other video games. There's only one sniper that can, you know, accurately get a one-shot headshot on an enemy, and that's a care package weapon. So most of the snipers in Apex still require three or four shots to knock when they have full armor. And that means that long-range engagements are very long. Mm -hmm. Or those medium-range engagements start off with a big sniper shot and then finish with, you know, the easy spray down uh, with the full auto weapon as a secondary. And so using a sniper is very different uh, and is a different experience. Um, and the skill is a lot different uh, from other titles uh, than it is in Apex. You know, you're using snipers more quickly, you know, to kind of deal out that big damage uh, and then close the gap pretty quickly. Yeah. And just the way bullet drop and such works in Apex is also pretty different. And even based around this whole concept of having the gun like the triple take where there is no bullet drop and there's hit scan and so it is interesting to see how there's so many differences between these guns in this class because you look at the other classes of weapons and they're all pretty similar and how they're used in a way or you can at least identify them easily these guns are all used for the same purpose incredibly differently yeah the sniper class is definitely not like character characterized as the quick scoping mm-hmm. thing like in mm-hmm. other shooter games like you're not gonna be running up on somebody and quick scoping them in the head unless it's the craber and the craber is really outside of the sniper class mm-hmm. uh, it's really not even considered um so it's very very different but you know let's go into something that we love to talk about and that's what is the best gun in the game it starts with a letter and it ends with a number. Yeah. And then it's like some position that's normally used in battles. A guy that goes out very far ahead reinforces some information back to the team. It definitely it definitely is a lot like that. <laughs> that sounds a lot like the name. And really, it's the G7 Scout. Definitely. And you may disagree uh, with this uh, if you're new to the third party or you're just yet to be convinced. But let's review some of the key stats of the G7 that make it number one. First off, the G7 mag size goes from 10 to 20 with extended mags. And there is a 50% increase from having no mag to having a common mag by getting that 10 clip size to 15. It's just the craziest thing. It's so whack. In the whole loot pool, it's the craziest thing that the weapon gets a 50% increase with just one attachment. It's crazy. For a single shotgun that like the 15 bolts is more than you need most of the time. It's really ridiculous just how the attachments affect the G7 and just the clip size in general. Now, the damage profile. 34 damage to the body and 60 to the head. Compare that to 14 damage to the body and 28 for the R301. There is a huge damage difference uh, in these ARs. Mm -hmm. Now, some interesting things about the G7 
are that it is a light ammo assault rifle and it uses normal stocks and light mags but it still has properties of a sniper which is fantastic mm -hmm. it has a more reduced uh, aim down sight speed just like the other snipers do even though it's in the assault rifles class and there is much more range or less bullet drop than the ARs so it still behaves like a sniper but it has all of the attachments as an AR. Mm -hmm. So the G7 really is kind of a cousin of these two classes. and It's a marksman rifle. We just don't really yeah. have a marksman rifle class, you know? Exactly. And so it's a very cool, interesting space. Hard to compare it to other ARs, um, but it used to be a sniper, and it was a very good sniper. And well, now it's a very good it AR. It dominated your armed and dangerous life. It changed my whole life. I can pretty much stand by that. Um, and so now we could discuss, you know, DPS or damage per second and how full auto weapons deal more damage faster, but they force you to be more than twice as accurate than the G7. And that's a very interesting thing because hitting six shots with the G7 to the chest is a knock against an enemy with purple armor. Six out of 10 shots with no mag uh is you know kind of intense but if you had a purple mag six out of 20 that's 30 percent accuracy that's really really low when you think mm -hmm. of how many bullets you have to hit compare that to the r301 that requires 15 shots to the body to knock a purple enemy that's 15 out of only 28 shots that's a requirement of 54 percent accuracy that's very 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 high like that's one of the highest accuracy requirements in the game and so hitting six shots is a lot easier than hitting 15 shots is kind of the premise of this AR mm -hmm. marksman rifle weapon. And, you know, we recommend the G7 because of that accuracy in large part and its ease of use. There are a lot of people who are very, very highly skilled at the game. And in your hands, the R301 very much might be your answer because... I think that's completely justified if you can consistently hit more than that accuracy. But for anyone that is new to the game, medium level, or not playing their best at the highest levels, or is at the highest level and just wants this as the secondary or the primary, this gun is going to slide in perfectly to any situation you may have. And that's not even including if you master that double tap, what that damage can deal to people at medium range. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we always come back to this is a BR. Mm -hmm. controlling situations is very very hard and so speaking to different characteristics of legends or weapons is kind of hard because here on the show we speak about it in a vacuum in a very isolated situation but in the real world in the game anything can happen there's grenades involved it's chaos so you know you pick up the r301 have a purple mag on it time to kill is going to be faster you have to hit almost twice the bullets. And you got to find the purple mag for you to have some kind of forgiveness behind Seriously, it. Seriously, if you aren't finding that purple mag, you have to be an absolute god in order to knock somebody with purple armor. It's incredibly difficult. Shout out ACU for killing me. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, we're now uh, playing in some pretty crazy lobbies uh, with Shay and this crossplay that mm -hmm. we're having. But back to the G7, you know, that time to kill difference of it being slightly faster with the R301 doesn't really matter so much when you have to hit so many shots. Mm -hmm. It's just so much easier. 
even just hitting three bullets with the G7 takes off people's armor with no headshots. You know, no requirement for high levels of accuracy, no requirement uh, for headshots, and the G7 just does consistently very high damage, very forgiving. A lot of people are kind of hesitant to pick up single-fire guns because mm-hmm. they want to do some damage by spraying and praying. I really urge you to use the G7 because, one, it'll make your accuracy better because it lets you kind of be more patient, place those shots, but I think you're going to do even more damage with Mm -hmm. the G7 than with a full auto weapon. Definitely. It's kind of subjective, but that's just my my thought. Henry, listener question here from me. Why isn't the wingman the best weapon in the game then, based off of what you're saying? Yeah, that's a really good question. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um... (laughs) Well, it has less than half the shots. That's a good point. Um, you know, max with a purple heavy mag, it has eight compared to 20 with the G7. And the wingman can't take a barrel stabilizer, which is a serious, serious advantage for the G7. Mm-hmm. I love barrel stabilizer. We did not talk about it enough a very long time ago when we did a light versus heavy battle debate. Yeah, we definitely skipped on it. It's a very important thing. Just when you're speaking about uh, all the weapon classes, we're going to get back to snipers here for in a second. This is kind of a tangent, but a necessary one. A barrel stabilizer, a purple one, gives you a 20% recoil reduction and randomness decreased by 30%. So not only is the recoil reduced, but the pattern is also simplified. Crazy. And so the fact that the wingman can't have that is a big disadvantage. And the wingman kicks upwards very much. Your, you know, your reticle is going up into the sky and then snapping right back. G7 kicks backwards into your shoulder. So you're always having, you know, your sight picture on target, um, which is just going to mean that it's easier to hit shots. Essentially, you don't have to realign your shot. Um, as much with the G7 compared to the wingman. But, mm-hmm. you know, there is discussion about, you know, movement speed and proximity and, you know, the damage advantage with the wingman. But when you talk about ease of use, consistency, um, and just the accuracy requirement and uh, that recoil, G7, greatest of all time, is goaded, <laughs> best weapon. Well, why are we talking about the G7, Henry? Yeah, so besides the fact that it's still kind of a sniper, despite uh, not being included in the class, uh, doesn't have the ammo, doesn't have sniper ammo. It's the play style. Mm -hmm. And the G7 is just a staple of our recommended loadout, uh, but other snipers can be a replacement. This is kind of an interesting idea. We're Mm going to explain it. Um, You know, we see most weapons, ARs, LMGs, and snipers, are comparable to the power of the G7, um, but in order to assess their viability, um, you kind of need to look at a variety of metrics. And I also want to throw in as well that we, like Henry said, talk about stuff in a vacuum. And right now we're talking about we're winning some rank games and such. Obviously, you're going to go about things different ways when you're chasing from point A to point B, trying to close gaps and rack up high kill games and such. Like, but very much speaking in the concept of let's get this dub at all costs right now. Yeah, totally. And just everything in our book 
uh, pretty much gets compared to the G7 mm-hmm. in terms of ease of use and time to kill and things like that. And so to win games and to position yourself for those end games, we pretty much recommend that your team runs at least two G7s. But you could start or keep snipers as a replacement uh, for one or both of those uh, after this segment. I also love just the G7. Last thing I'll say about it is the ammo conservation behind having the single fire weapon is Mm -hmm. so very nice. And it's a similar concept to why some people enjoy using snipers and shotguns from an ammo conservation standpoint. Yeah. And, you know, listening, you know, wherever you are, you might be thinking, yeah, ammo conservation is a big deal. That's why I like the wingman. That's why you guys like the G7. Snipers, not as easy to conserve ammo. That used to be true. Like ammo used to be a seriously big issue with snipers. Couldn't find it. You'd run through it pretty quickly. That is not true anymore. I can easily find 96 sniper shots anywhere I go, pretty much. And that'll last you the whole game. Or just play Loba. Or just play Loba (laughs) and have unlimited ammo. So now let's kind of just do a statistical overview of the snipers. Going to start off with the G7, even though it's not a sniper, just as a point of comparison. Uh, But the G7 has a rounds per minute of 240. That's the rate of fire. Mm -hmm. Body damage, 34. Headshot, 60. Mag size, up to 20, with an accuracy requirement of 6 out of 20, or 30% accuracy. Kind of special trait of the G7 is that it has a barrel stabilizer attachment, and it takes light ammo. Very different from the other snipers. Mm -hmm. Now, this is kind of an order of where we see the power. Um, so this is in reverse order from lowest power to highest power coming from the G7. First, the Sentinel. Rounds per minute, 37.5 with a body damage of 70 and a headshot of 140. Mag up to 7 with an accuracy requirement of hitting 3 shots. That's a 43% accuracy requirement. Special thing about the Sentinel is that you can energize it now with two cells, and that just brings up that base damage to 88 uh, to the body or 175 to the head. Mm -hmm. The thing that hurts the Sentinel is the rate of fire. Having a bolt action not really grants you the ability to, in late game, have a one-hit kill is tough from a strategic standpoint and like we'll do in a second here comparing it to the other guns and what they can do in multiple situations you know henry uh, and i very much preach versatility on the show and the sentinel is not the most versatile weapon and then it doesn't do the top end stuff you would expect out of a bold action sniper rifle which is fine for apex because you got the kraber that very much can do those things yeah we'll speak more about the sentinel but that rate of fire is just brutal. You know, being able to hit more than four G7 shots in the time that you can mm-hmm. actually fire and uh, kind of bolt back uh, that round in the Sentinel, it kind of diminishes the damage that you get uh, from the Sentinel. Definitely. Now let's talk about the charge rifle. Holy cow. If you don't know about the actual numbers behind this, buckle up because this is a fascinating weapon and i don't even know if we'll be able to cover all the characteristics (laughs) but i tried to kind of collect them all here first 
the rounds per minute is 30. But that number doesn't really matter. So it's interesting that that round per minute is there and it's, you know, marked at less than the Sentinel. Fires a lot slower, you know, you'd think. But it's a very interesting weapon. Essentially, it does three damage per tick. And each beam or charge uh, has 15 ticks. And so if you hit all 15 ticks to the body, that's 45 damage. If you hit it to the head, that's 56 damage. So there's a 1.25 multiplier to the head. But then after you hit the beam, there's a pulse or another shot. Yeah. And that adds another 45 if you hit it. Really complicated. (laughs) Yeah. So then just to take a step back, looking at the mag size, well, you have four shots essentially, Mm -hmm. but it's going to take eight sniper ammo. And in order to knock somebody uh, with that damage profile, you need to hit all three shots, all of the damage of the beam and the extra pulse, have to hit three of them to the body out of only four shots. That's a 75% uh, accuracy demand from this weapon. That's very high. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very interesting weapon, though. So let's just move through kind of what makes it special. So that damage being distributed over time, you know, having the damage of the beam, uh, being able to track people, do damage while they're moving, uh, is very interesting. When somebody is being hit by the charge rifle, they're actually slowed down. Mm-hmm. So if you can track them, you can, you know, maybe do more damage, kind of maybe pin them down, slow them down to get that uh, kind of extra charge shot of 45 at the end. Um, doesn't have an extended mag. No. Um, is a very interesting thing. Uh, it's the only sniper uh, that doesn't, uh, which is quite interesting. And the fact that it has a beam really gives away your position. Yeah. You know, you can see the beam from across the map. The OG charge rifle had the extended and all that fun stuff on it at the very beginning. And essentially it became the weapon of let's get my 4K badge because the fact that it doesn't have any uh, bullet drop or anything, it literally is a laser beam, like straight up is a laser is. beam. And you could put your, you know, your four to eight, your four to 10 on it and just hit people across the map. It was really weird when you were fighting in uh, one area somewhere and you got shot and killed from like 450 meters away by someone poking that final bullet with you. And so the charge rifle itself, at least from my opinion, is this weapon that can deal out some damage. Seems like it's a bit more uh, for fun, though, in ways. It's not, you're not going to use it to close out end games and like really destroy a team and get a knock and then push in. Because, like Henry was saying, 75% accuracy with the rate of fire that comes with it is very, very. Uh, tough to deal out but there's nothing more satisfying than hitting someone with a full cross map charge rifle shot in this game yeah essentially to be really effective with the charge rifle they're gonna have to be standing relatively still Mm -hmm. like and that is very hard um just because that 75 accuracy requirement with one mag means that you're hitting all of the damage 
which is just completely unrealistic. Like we talk about stats and take them out of context, put them in a vacuum. This one is almost just too insane to say, because essentially you're saying that you're going to hit someone for 15 ticks of the beam and then that 16th tick, and then you're going to do that two more times. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So if you're going to be getting a knock with a charge rifle, you're pretty much going to have to reload. Other interesting stuff is that rounds per minute of 30, which is less than the Sentinel at Mm -hmm. 37 and a half. That takes into account that 45 damage shot. And it takes a while for that shot to come out. Mm -hmm. And because it takes so long, people can move out of the way. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times when you're using the charge rifle, you might just hit a three damager. And that's really too bad. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they moved or it just is too slow. And, you know, ideally you're hitting 90 damage a shot. Mm -hmm. And so valuing, you know, two sniper ammo as 90 damage and only getting three damage out of it is a major disappointment. Interesting weapon. Still has a place. The stats behind it, the headshot multipliers, the beam. It's very fascinating. I'm disappointed that it doesn't have an extended mag. I think that it would increase the power a lot. I think there's reasons behind it not Mm -hmm. wanting that. But it's in an interesting place right now. It's not unusable. Um, I don't know. There's a little bit more to say. It's a fun weapon, but I think, yeah. It's not an introduction sniper, which I think a lot of people think, oh, it's a beam. I can track people. You Mm -hmm. know, I don't have to hit the initial shot. I resent that. Like, I think you're better off using a G7 or a Sentinel where you might miss, you know, three out of four shots. But if you hit one shot, you're going to do seven damage compared to if you miss three out of four with the charge rifle, A, you're going to have to reload and B, you might do 45 damage, Mm -hmm. which is almost half of, uh, you know, the Sentinel. So I think that it's in a weird spot. The thing that I love about the charge rifle and the construct of a team is if you can slow somebody with their your beam and you're dealing damage to them and ticking away at them, it's going to make it easier for your teammates to hit them because they're going to be more limited in your their ability to run away. So if you are running two snipers or a charge in a G7 or something, the it combos very well rather than being the sole provider of your team for long distance damage. Absolutely. And 90 damage is 90 damage. You know, getting hit with a full charge rifle is a serious deal. Just actually pulling that off is sometimes pretty hard. Moving on. Longbow. Longbow, kind of a staple of Apex, kind of a favorite from day one. Has a rounds per minute of 86, Mm -hmm. uh, very much higher uh, than both the Sentinel and the charge rifle. Body damage is 55. Headshot damage is 110. If you pop on the skull piercer, that headshot damage goes up to 138. Uh, Sound goes up to intensifyingly dangerous. That's true. The Mm -hmm. piercing sound of the skull piercer is pretty awesome. Um, Mag size goes all the way up to 12. Uh, Very high. You know, you're not quite at G7 level, but uh, pretty high uh, in respect to the other snipers. Uh, In order to get a knock, you still have to hit four shots, um, which is 33% accurate. Uh, which is really nice. Uh, 33% accuracy is a lot less uh, than 43 
uh, with the Sentinel. And coupled with the rate of fire as well. It's yeah. it's hard to even compare the two at times. Bigger mag size, more shots, uh, really a, a solid sniper. Uh, the special things uh, is that it has that hop up, the skull piercer, uh, that gives you that little extra boost to headshot damage. Um, and then it also takes a barrel stabilizer, we which is something barrels. you can't skip on. It's the mm-hmm. only sniper aside from the G7 that takes one. And based on the rate of fire, this thing can and should be used as a marksman rifle. Definitely. Let's talk about the GOAT. This triple take has been on a crazy journey, a crazy journey, and it is in a place. Whether you want it to be here or not, it's here. And I think that's, I'll I'll leave Henry now to say the stats on it. Yeah, so these are the updated stats for season seven. The rounds per minute, uh, you know, has been kind of toyed with the last couple of seasons. Now it's at 72. So it's now just below the longbow, which is great. Because it was above and at the longbow uh, in rate of fire. So now it's at 72. Um, three shots in the triple take. 23 damage per shot. If you hit all three, that's 69. Multiplier to headshot is 138. Fascinating thing. No hop-up required on the triple take. Has a built-in choke now, which you can toggle on and off. And that headshot, if you hit all three... By charging it up, mm-hmm. that does the same amount of damage as the longbow with the skull piercer. Yeah. So this is a very high damage sniper so that has a lot of built-in. Built-in gold hop-up in a way at this point yeah. when you compare it to the other gold hop-up the snipers are taking. Pretty much. And then max mag size is a 9, so a little bit uh, under that longbow of 12, but you only have to hit 3 out of those 9 but you do have to hit all three pellets mm-hmm. in each three shots. So it's kind of 30%, 33% accuracy requirement, but that kind of gets uh, tricky if you're not hitting every single triple shot. Mm-hmm. So longbow is four out of 12, 33%. Triple take is kind of three out of nine, 33%. So I think you could probably say the triple take is a little less accurate just because you have to hit all three shots. but. In a perfect world, they're in line, mm-hmm. essentially. The craziest thing about the triple take is what Henry and I have been experiencing lately is that you charge this thing up, you shit, shoot your first shot for 138, you immediately fire the second and the third shot, those are still going to be fired choked up, which is absolutely insane. Gives you three opportunities to hit for 69 damage or 138 if you hit them in the head. Which, in that context, is absolutely crazy. Oh, and by the way, the gun can be used at close range as a shotgun as well. uh, And not get you killed. Try hip-firing a Sentinel versus hip-firing a triple take. And we'll see who's uh, winning that fight, I think. Yeah, the shotgun characteristic is fascinating. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that you can hip-fire it and have some success. That's a big plus for a game that, you know, is going to have you in a lot of versatile situations. Mm -hmm. Having that in one out of your two weapons, long range and close range, very nice. It's also just a fascinating weapon because, yeah, it has the choke now. You do have to charge it up to choke it in. So you do have to have a little bit of setup time compared to the longbow, but that setup time is definitely worth it because the headshot's going to be higher than a longbow without the skull piercer, and the body damage is going to be higher. And 
The fact that you have three shots means that it is just incredibly easier to hit a moving target to do some damage instead of no damage, which in a team-based game, that definitely matters. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd much rather my teammates do 23 damage or 46 damage than zero Mm -hmm. if they're using a longbow and just missing two shots. So, you know, hitting one or two of those three pellets, definitely very, very nice. We're not going to talk much about the Kraber here. Very different weapon from these other guys in terms of the ammo that you have, damage it can deal and such. Uh, A lot of people definitely, if you're sniping, pick up the Kraber though if you come across it. And it's the only gun in the game, you know, you can one-shot headshot somebody. So justifiably so in a way. Yeah, it's a bolt action. You got 12 shots, that's it. 145 to the body and up to 435 uh, to the head. So Mm -hmm. quite a multiplier, definitely a one-shot. Um. Now, to focus more on those kind of top two, the triple take and the longbow as competitors to the G7. G7 has three times the rate of fire, but half the damage output of these snipers. So although they function differently, they can substitute each other. If you have to hit six G7 shots, but only three or four sniper shots to knock a purple armored enemy, that's a pretty good trade-off. Like, you're firing less shots, uh, and you also have to hit less shots. So they kind of, those stats kind of work together to even the playing field between the triple take and the G7, so to speak. Yeah, and, you know, triple take has the range on it that the G7 doesn't, you know. After they change the bullet speed of the G7 to make it drop a little bit more, if you're really in long-range engagements that triple take is going to deal some serious, serious damage. Absolutely. Um, narrowing in just a little more on the triple take, it fires three times slower, but sends out three times the shots as the G7. So, you know, you may be dealing less damage if you hit one out of three of the triple take shots, but it's more than zero, again, that you might get with the G7 if you miss one shot. So definitely favoring the triple take right now. Um, It's really, really strong. The conclusion is snipers are viable and can and should be used as versatile assault rifles or semi-automatic rifles. Um, Consider them, you know, to deal more damage with less accuracy required. Um, You still can't miss every bullet, uh, but they definitely have a space in Apex. And given just how the game has developed over the last year, they want you to use them. Mm -hmm. So use them. Um, at this point, you know, just like to ask you guys, what's your favorite sniper out of the lot or are snipers overrated after you've listened to this episode, (laughs) let us know, send us a message on Instagram, discord, Twitter, however you want to chat with us. Let's wrap it up now and finish with some questions per usual. First question coming from Charlie. What if there weren't any care package weapons and instead gold weapons in care packages? This is an interesting idea. You know, right now we're kind of questioning mm-hmm. what care packages do to the loot pool, um, how many weapons can be on the ground, and for, you know, everything to still work out well. Um, we added a weapon, you know, the Volt now, and it's definitely added uh, to the ground loot, and there are no more taking one out for the crafting. So I don't know what uh, adding, you know, the Peacekeeper and the Prowler back on the ground would do. I really like gold weapons. Um, not sure what we would do with the Kraber. 
at this yeah, point. that would be an interesting one. I, I do wonder if there's a situation in which they could make the Kraber ground in a way and then introduce hop ups. It would get really complicated, I'm sure. Um, but also, if you just want to have the Kraber be in a class of itself, I think that would be justifiably so as well. Probably. Next question coming from Clutcha Bob. What do you guys think is the prettiest looking legend based only on looks? Wow. Clutch above. Interesting question. Uh, Pathfinder. Pathfinder's a cutie. Pathfinder's a cutie. Um, Mirage a cutie. <laughs> yeah. You know, all the characters are looking pretty good. You know, Caustic's kind of a mug, but uh, <laughs> overall, Loba's definitely got some looks. Loba objectively has some speaking. Looks. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, last question from ING Sock. Could ALGS analysis be a regular bit on the show? Going into what legends are used was very interesting the one time you did it. Thank you for your time and effort and also for keeping this clean. No problem. It's hard to keep it clean for me. I'll be completely honest with you, Sock. I'm the swearer of the two of us, but I think we've done a pretty dang good job over the course of what, almost like eight months now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, And we're definitely uh, interested in speaking more about the ALGS. I definitely, I like doing that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason that we really didn't dive into it very much before season six is there wasn't much to say. Yeah. There wasn't really uh, much uh, change going on with the legends. pretty used. simple. So I think we'll, we'll continue to watch. I hope you continue to watch. Um, and hopefully it's exciting. We'll have something to talk about on the show. Yeah, we can do, we can do some more pro episodes. Join the Patreon. You can vote on some episodes. Maybe we'll do a breakdown of some pro scene over there as well. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. A very fun one. Subscribe to us on Apple Pods. Give us a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer it on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to the YouTube channel, Third Party Podcast. Stop by our weekly stream. Check us out on Discord via the link in the description. Thank you for listening to the Third Party Podcast. Catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs>